The gospel lesson for today is recorded in the gospel of St. John. I want to read from the 20th chapter, verses 1 through 18. I invite you to stand for the reading of the gospel. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. And she saw that the stone had been rolled from the entrance. And so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and she said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and he looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came along beside him, and Peter went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw, and he believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus was to rise from the dead. And then the disciple went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she answered, They have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this she turned around, and Jesus was standing there. But she did not realize it was Jesus. And he asked her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who is it you're looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have taken away my Lord, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and find him. And Jesus said to her, Mary? And she turned toward him, and she cried out, Father. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father and your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the good news. She said, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The Word of God for the people of God. Please be seated. Winnie and I are uh, fortunate to have four grandchildren. We have three granddaughters and a grandson. We have Lexi, who's 17, Carlin, who's 14, Lauren, who's 10, and Stone, our grandson, who's 15. They're all growing up, and they're growing up fast, just like your grandchildren and your children. And I remember when our granddaughters, each one of them was about four years of age, they just became enthralled with the color purple. I had a lady leave this morning after the 845 service. She said, when you said the word purple, my daughter's eyes just lit up. 
And I uh, said she was so happy to hear that word because she feels the same way. But they all love the color purple. And I was thinking this week about a conversation I had with Carlin, who's actually 13, not 14, like I said. And uh, it was right before Easter, and we were sitting at our house, and, and we were talking, and, and she looked up at me and she said, do you think the Easter Bunny will bring me purple jelly beans on Easter? And I said, sure, I, I'm sure he will. I said, but you've got to remember, Easter's not just about jelly beans and candy. It's about Jesus. Well, she sat there for a moment, and then she looked up at me again, and she said, do you think the Easter Bunny will bring me purple jelly beans? <laughs> and I said... Sure he will, but I said, you got to remember, it's about Jesus. He died on Good Friday, and then he came back to life, and he, he was alive walking around on Easter Sunday. I said, that's what it's really all about. The candy's good, but, well, we sat there a few more minutes. She looked up at me again. Do you think the Easter Bunny will bring me purple jelly beans? <laughs> and I said, sure he will. Sure he will. And then she looked at me again. Do you think Easter Bunny will bring me Tootsie Roll Pops? And I said, sure, sure. I gave up at that point, I tell you. But, you know, to a child, uh, Easter is about Easter baskets and Easter bunnies and, and purple jelly beans. And, and they like to find out what's in their Easter basket. And they're a little bit more interested in that than they are Jesus on Easter morning. And sometimes... We adults feel that way. I think that's okay for a child, but we adults, sometimes we get caught up in some of the trappings of Easter. And we get caught up in the new clothes, and, and we get caught up in the flowers, and we get caught up in the Easter lunch or dinner. And our family this afternoon will have an Easter dinner. All nine of us will gather, and that'll be a wonderful occasion for us. And every year I ask my wife, I say, well, now will you bake a honey-baked ham for us and have some deviled eggs, because it's not Easter without deviled eggs and honey-baked ham. And because she loves me, she always makes a honey-baked town. And there was a problem in our house, though, because none of the four grandchildren eat much ham. They just don't care for it. And my wife, Winnie, and daughter Ashley, they're vegetarians. They don't eat any ham at all. And so that leaves my son Michael, our, our son-in-law Chris, and myself to eat the ham. And boy, do we eat that ham, let me tell you. Let me tell you. And we will have ham sandwiches for the next two weeks. <laughs> but you know, there are a lot of distractions to Easter, but despite all the subtraction, uh, distractions to Easter, we come here today really for something else, don't we? We come here today for more than candy-coated cliches. Uh, we come into God's house today. We're with God's presence this morning. And we come to remember and we come to celebrate the greatest day in history. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We went to Germany last summer and we went to see the Oberammergau Passion Play. And, and I, I can't describe the crucifixion story. I mean, it was gory, it was bloody. I don't see how they portrayed it so lifelike as they do. But, oh, you were just moved and you, you were in such great sorrow during that part of the play. And then they had the resurrection story to follow that. But, but the resurrection is important. The death on Friday was important. But now we're on Sunday and, and Jesus rose from the dead and there's new life and there's a proclamation of new life for everybody. So let's reflect on our scripture lesson this morning. The text tells us early on the first day of the week, which would have been Sunday, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away. 
Now Mary had been with Jesus throughout his ministry. She had heard him teach the wonderful lessons he taught. She watched him forgive sinners and make their life whole again. She watched him as he healed the sick and as he raised the dead. And she heard the scribes and the Pharisees putting him down and criticizing him. And she was there on Palm Sunday when Jesus triumphantly prayed it in. And she was there on Friday when the crucifixion was held. And she looked up at the cross, standing by Jesus' mother Mary, and they watched Jesus as he was punished, as he was tortured, as no other had ever been. And now it was all over. He's there. He's in the tomb. It's all over, she thought. And she thought, well, at least I can go to the tomb on, on the morning and, and I can anoint Jesus' body with spices. Let me ask you, have you ever felt like Mary must have felt? Have you ever felt like that? Gut-wrenched, sorrowful, no hope, absolutely no hope, that forlorn feeling? Oh, I think it's something we've all felt in life at some times. It's like campaign workers. They've worked a year on the political campaign trying to get their candidate elected. And then that candidate loses. Can you imagine what it's like to go back to the campaign headquarters the next morning and clean out the headquarters? Or the way a basketball team feels uh, in the NCAA basketball tournament and you've played a number of games, and maybe you got to the top 16 or top 8, and you lose, and it's over, and there's no Final Four for you. And you practice all season. There's nothing to do but go home now. Pack up your bags and go home. Let's face it, we've all felt like Mary Magdalene. We've all felt that way. We've all stood there with life in shambles around our feet, and we feel hopeless. We feel there's no way possible life's going to be good again. Maybe a high school senior doesn't get into the college they really had a dream to get into. Or maybe you get a pink slip from your employer. Or maybe the lab results don't come back in your favor and you know you've got a long terminal illness to face. Or maybe a family member dies. And you know what that's like, the sorrow, the hopelessness you feel. None of us are immune to that, none of us. However, in our scripture lesson today, we hear hope in the midst of great sorrow. I don't think Mary saw it at first, but she does eventually. The text reads, while Mary Magdalene made her way to the tomb. I like those words. Because what it tells us, if you read between the lines, while Mary was sleeping, God was working. While the disciples were sleeping, God was working. And God was making a way where there was no way. Have no doubt when things will get rough, and things are going to get rough, you know that and I know that, it doesn't mean God has abandoned us. When the darkness comes, God is still always working. And let's face it, the biggest darkness that we will face in life is the darkness of death. And it haunts us, doesn't it? It haunts us. And that is why we watch our weight and we take our vitamins and we exercise regularly. And we see the doctor regularly for physicals. And we try to prevent death. We do everything we can to prevent it. But death is inevitable. It's inevitable for each and every one of you and for me. Leo Tolstoy tells a, a fabulous story about a man who was in the, in the woods and he was being chased by a bear, a big bear. And the bear was about to catch up to him and he jumps, jumps into a dry well. 
And on the way down, he sees this little tree growing out of the side of the well, and he grabs hold of it. He's holding on tight. And then he looks down at the bottom of the well, and there's a lion down there. And the lion's reaching up for him, and the bear's reaching down to him. And then this rat comes out of a hole in the wall. And the rat comes out on the limb he's holding to and begins to gnaw. Death's inevitable, isn't it? There's no way to escape it. It's going to happen one day. And it's going to happen to each and to every one of us. And that's why the resurrection news today is so good. Death is a fact of life, and death lingers all around it. We see it in the news, the the terrible death in Ukraine. It just breaks us, causes great sorrow. I hope you're paying attention to that, because there's sorrow there. We let Putin get by with it. I don't know why we do that. Seems like there's something we could do. Or we hear about the tornadoes in the Midwest and the people who are killed, 19 of them, I think. Or we hear about the mass shootings in Nashville at the school the other week. And every day it seems like we're hearing about death. But Easter says to us, and it says to us in a loud voice, that even in the darkness, death is not real, really. It is real, but Easter overcomes death. And the resurrection of Jesus is that great light that shines in the darkness, the darkness of death. When Mary arrived at the tomb, to her distress, the the tomb was empty. The stone had been rolled away. I was in Israel a few years ago. I wondered how that stone was rolled away, but the stone's round. And it's in a track in front of the tomb, and you can roll it away. And so the stone had been rolled away, and the tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. And Jesus said, uh, Mary, go and tell the disciples. So she went and told Peter and John. She went and told them the good news that the tomb's empty, and yet I don't know where he is. We've got to find him. And, of course, you know, they ran to the tomb. And they went in, and they saw the linen cloths. They saw the tomb was empty. And they're mystified by that. You know, death is a horrible thing. And Jesus had died, and Jesus was dead. But then Jesus, who on Sunday morning appeared to Mary, appeared to her in the darkness that morning. She thought he was the gardener, but then she realized it was him when he called her name. God, it was the good news. He's alive. He's not dead. He's standing here right in front of me. And she was told to go and proclaim the good news to the disciples. You know, we still try to camouflage death even though it's not real. We have the artificial grass at the cemetery. We have the slumber rooms at the funeral home kind of causing us to think, well, they're just sleeping back there. And we put makeup on the corpse, but none of that hides the fact of death. None of it. None of it. In the words of John Dunn, death be not proud, thou hast died. And the resurrection proclaims the good news to us that life goes on even after death. I watched my mom and dad both die. And they died. I mean, they were stiff. Their mouths were open. Their eyes were open in one case. And you can look at them and you say, whereas there was life, life is gone. But there's hope for those who are dead. There's hope in Jesus Christ who said at Lazarus' grave, I am the resurrection and I am life. And those who believe in me Even though they die, yet shall they live. In the early part of World War II, there was a Navy submarine that sank in New York Harbor. 
and it was in deep water. They were trying to rescue the sailors, trying to find a way, and finally in one last attempt, they got a Navy ship to come in with divers, and they sent the divers down to where the submarine were, was, and they could hear the steel boots of the diver walking on the submarine, and it was dark down there. There was no electricity. Oxygen was running out. It was, it was almost hopeless. And the Navy diver walks over to one place on the top of the submarine, and the sailors go there. They could hear his footprints. And they tap out in Morse code. Is there any hope? Is there any hope? And that's what we wondered on Good Friday. Guys, over. Is there any hope? And the Navy diver... Tap back in Morse code. Yes, there's hope. Yes, there's hope. And that's what Easter's proclaiming to us this morning. When we think there's no hope, yes, there's hope. There's a way. There's hope. There's hope for you and me. There's hope for those who die in Christ. There's hope. And we live ever after. Ever after. We live for eternity. How long eternity is, I don't know. But it's, it's forever. It's forever, we're told. A resurrected Christ pierced Mary's darkness and the disciples' darkness. And when the darkness of a loved one's death affects you, and you're crying and you're grieving, don't forget the resurrection. The good news of Jesus Christ, who so loved the world that He gave His only, a God who so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should live ever after. Easter is a promise that the power that gave you your pulse will never abandon you. The power that raised Jesus from the dead can transform your darkness and your despair. And that same power calls you by name and is still at work in your life and in this world and in my life. And it brings salvation from sin and trespasses. And it brings life everlasting. And that, my friends, is better news than Easter bunnies and purple jelly beans. That's the greatest news we could ever hear in our lives. It's light that shines in the darkness and gives us hope forever and ever and ever. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your great love. We give you thanks for Jesus who suffered greatly on the cross for us to pay the price of our sins and our trespasses. And we give you thanks for Easter morning and the light that shined in the darkness giving hope to all who would receive the message of resurrection. And we know that message is offered to us here this morning and we give our thanks and our praise to you for what you've done for us because of your great love for all the world. Lord, help us to receive the good news of the resurrection. And not forget it when we leave here today, but may that light of resurrection shine in our lives every day, giving us hope, giving us strength to face whatever we have to face, and knowing that you're always with us, even until the end of the age. For we offer our prayer in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen.